to have you back with us. It's another edition of the Baseball Elite Podcast. Just two months to go in the fantasy baseball season. Although I, I must admit, I guess some of you don't even play all of September. Um, and, and as we begin things, Kyle Elfrink here, Ray Flowers there. Uh, Ray, what do you find? I mean, you spend a lot more time with the public out there. Mm. Um, do you find that a lot of people are, are kind of finishing their playoffs by, I don't know, mid-September, early September? I've always, I've never been in a league with playoffs. I really haven't. Right. So I've always played up until the end of the fantasy baseball season. But what do you find that a lot of people are doing nowadays? Yeah, I think that uh, I think fantasy playoffs are stupid. We've talked about that. I think head to head is stupid for baseball, but thank God I've never been in a league like that. Woo. Yeah. I'd be yelling at you, the league. Uh, I, I, again, I, I just think that the season's not meant to be played in seven week segments. And, you know, when Marco Gonzalez is, is more important than Max Scherzer because of a matchup for eh, just stupid. So, uh, but I've heard from people that, yeah, you're, you're totally right that uh, there are a lot of people that view the last week of any sport. Usually it's football we deal with. Right. Um, but in baseball, I've heard a lot of people that do end it early. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I, I've incurred, and I threw out polls. I've done this at baseball guys on Twitter this year and said, well, would you play two week playoffs? And I, I think people are open to all kinds of changes, but I don't know if they're open to playing the last week of the season go. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of crazy because, you know, we just had the trading deadline, um, you know, roughly speaking a little over a week ago. Um, and, and there are some teams out there and this is no mystery, Ray, but, you know, like Washington has a pretty lousy lineup. The Cubs have a pretty lousy lineup. Pittsburgh still has a lousy lineup. Um, you know, Texas isn't much of anything. Minnesota isn't much of anything. And that doesn't even include the teams like, you know, Arizona, Colorado, Baltimore, who've been bad all season. Miami, you know, throw, we, we now have like eight to 10 offenses where in a fantasy league, you can like target these offenses and find some streamers. Mm-hmm. It's it's I think the streaming pool, it's a dangerous pool to be in because so many times you go on the waiver where the guys available are the lousy pitchers. But we now have a good third of the league that I would argue, Ray, they're either bad teams or really bad offenses, which makes for a little more of a choice when you're looking for streamers on the pitching side for the remainder of the year. Yeah. And by the way, we're not expanding rosters in September like we're used to either. It only goes up, what, like two players. So in the old days, the argument people would make for not having the full season is all oh, these rookies. And it's not how the game's played right now. So, um, but yeah, you're right about the, the streaming option. We continue to get guys, you know, coming in and out of rotations because of all the, the health issues that everyone's dealing with. We're going to start seeing a lot and I've been predicting this, and I know you, we've talked about it a lot. We're going to see a lot of guys start getting shut down or having starts limited or, or you know, two starters going in one game. We're going to see a lot of that because the innings pitch situation. And then on the other side, as you noted, the idea that there are offenses we can target now, it's absolutely the case. And, you know, when you are playing the streaming game, when you are looking at matchups, you, you focus, of course, on the pitcher and where they're at and all of that. But one of the huge components is the opponent. And uh, it's starting to open up in a manner that the haves and the have-nots are becoming pretty significant when we talk about offensive production. There is still ground that can be made up. So if you're hurting on the pitching side, maybe you can make up some of that ground if you're targeting these uh, lackadaisical offenses. Let us get to, as usual, uh, the starting nine. These are the nine topics that we're going to focus on in this edition of the Baseball Elite Podcast, just like a batting order. Uh, We go one through nine. Leading off today, um, I don't know if I'm going to still have a podcast after I state this, but oh. um, has Zach Wheeler been better than Jake DeGrom this year? <gasps> uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. That's going to lead us off. In the two spot, talk about another guy who may be better 
than Jake DeGrom this year. A player profile of Walker Bueller. Uh, we will keep the pitching theme going in the three-hole. Chris Sale is back. Going to be making his debut a few days from now. What to expect from him down the stretch? Get you some news and notes in the cleanup spot. We got a lot of guys coming back. We have other guys getting injured, so we'll give you the update there. In the five-hole, we're going to take a look at some unheralded second-half fantasy hitting saviors. We're a month post-All-Star break. Who are some guys that we don't talk a ton about? We don't think of them as superstars, but for the last month, they've kind of been superstars. We'll take a look at some waiver wire wins and additions from the SiriusXM Host League in the six-hole. As usual, we'll check in on Rob Povia's weekly planner highlights. That, of course, can be found at fantasyguru.com. And then in the eight-hole random reference in the nine spot, the stamp of approval. That is where we are going one through nine. Ray, let us begin at the top of the lineup, starting with pitching. In fact, first three hitters, if you will, going to be all about pitching. Um, Zach Wheeler, huge effort on Sunday um, in a big game, in a huge series against the Mets. The Phillies are finally kind of rolling. It's been a mess all season with that team. They win one, they lose one, they win two, they lose two. They've been like 500 all season long. But now they're starting to heat up and they get a huge effort from Zach Wheeler yesterday against the Mets. Uh, complete game shutout for Wheeler, utterly dominant. Um, uh, might be his best outing of the year, but Ray, he's had a lot of good outings. And I, I started to think to myself, you know, Wheeler is taking the ball every five days, which is something that cannot be said for the Mets ace. Um, boy, it would have been nice to have Jake DeGrom pitch in this series for the Mets, but but he, of course, is unavailable. And I looked it up, Ray, and it's it's not just Wheeler. There are some other guys. Because of the time that DeGrom is missed, has missed, and will miss, there's more to come. Ray, these other guys who are pitching every day, like a Wheeler, these guys are now actually out-earning Jake DeGrom. These guys, I know their raw numbers may not be to the level of Jake DeGrom, but the simple fact that they're showing up every five days, we now have Jake DeGrom slipping in the overall rankings amongst pitchers. We do. And um, I, I, you know, it, it's interesting because it's not just the fantasy game where they're like neck and neck guys. You know, if you look at Fangraph's war as an example, Wheeler's ahead and it's not close. It's 5.6 to 4.9. And, and DeGrom, in fact, is slightly behind Corbin Burns, too. So even if you're even if you pull back and you're not looking at five by five fantasy categories, if you're looking at just. You know, war, the number that everyone yells and throws in my face whenever I say someone's better than someone else they don't agree with. Uh, Zach Wheeler's number one in the National League. And so, you know, it, it I mean, if you look at it right now, I mean, he's thrown more than 50% more innings. Yeah, it's, he's he's got 64 more innings yeah. than Jake DeGrom. And that's going to, again, DeGrom's not close to returning, Ray. That's going to be here in like two weeks. It's going to be 80 more innings than yeah. Jake DeGrom. It will be. And, you know, it, right now it's 156 to 92. Um, I think that, you know, what do we, if, if we get a good finish for DeGrom, we probably get five starts, six innings, you know, maybe, right? Maybe. So 30 more innings. Yeah, you're right. It's going to be a massive gap. And, you know, that not only does it allow Wheeler to, to pile up strikeouts and get victories, it's a, it just creates a scenario where his ratios are frankly as important or more important than a guy who was one of the best ever and you know DeGrom is not a middle reliever per se but if he ends the season with 110 you know 20 innings something like that that's not a starting pitcher 
That's like an awesome Josh Hader year, like a, a really like out of this world Josh Hader year. But does anybody make the argument to draft Josh Hader in the first round? They don't. But Jake DeGrom will just be a really awesome version of Josh Hader without the saves, <laughs> you know. But with the other things, he'll look like a super Josh Hader at the end of the year. Yeah, and, and you know, if we pull back and take it a little bit broader picture, too, I know last year was COVID and everything, so I, I get it. But as of right now, if you add the innings he threw last year and this year together, he doesn't have enough innings to qualify for the RA title this year. 160 innings in two years. So let's, again, come back and say he throws 20, you know, five innings, whatever it is. 185 innings in two years? In two years. So then we have to start worrying next year about, well, even if his arm is okay, you know, is this the start of a little bit of a slide here? He's 33 years old. He had injury. He had six different issues, six different issues this season. Um, you know, is, is this a scenario where they're going to say he's fine? He's going to go out there next year. He's going to, you know, throw three games in spring. He's going to look great. And then the fourth spring, he tears his elbow and he's Tommy John surgery. Like, ah, it, for as great as he has been and as dynamic as he was this season, I don't remember a guy where we're going to have more questions heading into the following season about his value. Yeah, and, and to, again, compare with Wheeler, because, again, people are going to say, oh, but, but DeGrom's ERA is so much better. And, okay, let, let's go through the categories. Neither guy is going to have saves this year. Okay, so that's a wash. Um, the wins, Wheeler now has 10. DeGrom is going to be really lucky to get to 10, I think. Yeah, uh, Maybe not really lucky, but lucky if he gets to 10. Uh, maybe Wheeler gets, I, I'll, I'll go on the low end, three more victories the rest of the year. So the, the wins are going to go to Wheeler. That'll be a win for him. Okay, what about the ERA? Right, first, let's start with K's because that's a raw number. Right now, DeGrom has 146. That's out of this world in 92 innings, 146. But the other guy has 181. And again, most of us want raw numbers. We want the strikeouts. So right there is a very easy one to point to. When a guy's not pitching as good as he is, it's easy for Zach Wheeler to now blow away Jake DeGrom in strikeouts. The guy's got 40 more strikeouts. And again, by the time DeGrom's back, he may have 60 more strikeouts than Jake DeGrom. Then, Ray, it's the ratios. Mm-hmm. And, you know, DeGrom has out-of-this-world ratios. He's, he's smoking Wheeler in ERA, smoking Wheeler in whip. But again, when Jake DeGrom is doing his 108 ERA in 92 innings, that has an effect, absolutely. But the 242 ERA of Wheeler in 156 innings, that's almost like Wheeler's got like a 18 ERA now compared to DeGrom. And on the whip side, it's like Wheeler's got a .7 whip and DeGrom sitting at 0.55, it's, it's a win, I guess, for DeGrom. But as we get each successive game with more and more innings for Wheeler and a lack of innings for DeGrom, if Wheeler can keep up some of these numbers, Ray, he will surpass the impact of Jake DeGrom in fantasy baseball. Yeah, if DeGrom, and we'll, I'll just use rough numbers for the sake of the, the podcast. Let's say DeGrom throws 100 innings this year. And let's say your team throws 1,400 innings. Is a 14th of your team? Like that's, uh, I mean, versus a seventh of your team, if he's throwing 200 innings, it's a massive difference. And it's not, it's not just what Kyle said that matters because people are going to hear that and be like, Kyle, you're full of it. Here's the second problem with, with going against what Kyle said. Is anyone taking a, let's say you have nine pitching spots, right? Jacob DeGrom is out. Is anyone taking zeros in Jacob's DeGrom spot? No one's doing that. Okay. Who do you fill into that spot? Brad Keller. Do you put Brad Keller, Chris Bubik, <laughs> Marco Gonzalez, Ryan Yarbrough? I mean, do you? 
Because when you lose a starting pitcher, I don't think most people are going to run to the wave wire and add, you know, Patton, right? They're, or Seawald. They're going to go grab a starting pitcher because they need innings. So it's not, you know, and that's, that's, I think, the fallacy of this. Straight up, you can make the argument that DeGrom, fine, whatever. But it's not straight up. It's the slot in your, in your staff. You're getting 32 starts out of Wheeler. You're getting these numbers. You're getting 32 starts out of DeGrom. Plus, it's not going to match Wheeler. I'd be shocked if it did. Mm-hmm. And when you have a healthy pitcher like Wheeler, uh, that spot is now going maybe to a hitter that's yep. helping you out. Maybe it's going to a reliever yep. that's helping you out. Um, if you have DeGrom, you don't have DeGrom, obviously. But like Ray just said, what's the replacement for you? And, and that answer is different. If you're in a 10-team league, you know, may, maybe you can survive. Maybe you're doing just fine. 12 teams, 14, 15, uh, that's a struggle. Because anybody who's looked at pitching, it's a battle, battle, battle. Um, now, Ray, I got to ask Wheeler in particular. Mm-hmm. Are, how surprised are you by this, this season? I Now, I will say, coming into the year, I, I just had a, a spot for, for Wheeler in my heart. That's one of the guys I got a hit on. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved him as an SP2. He's pitching like an SP1. Um, he has had a big jump off of last season. There, there were kind of concerns coming into this year with Wheeler, and I think they all revolved around the strikeout rate. But now he's better than ever on that front. Yeah, and I, and you know me, I, I I tend to take in maybe sometimes in this case, like in this case it works. Sometimes maybe it doesn't, but I, I tend to take the long approach, and I, I look at you know sixty five innings from some guy last year, and I say that's just not the story, right? I'm not going to judge a guy completely if he's got a track record, if he's had success, which Wheeler has. So you know you go in there and you dive into the numbers and you say, okay, what happened last year with the strikeouts? And you say to yourself, okay, the numbers were down, they were. But there were still hints that the numbers would come back. Now, come back is different than go to a new and higher level. And yeah. so DeGrom, I mean, excuse me, Wheeler has done the double. He's had things normalize, which I expected them to, but then he's also elevated to that next level. I mean, he's got the best first pitch strike rate of his career, the best swing strike rate of his career, the best CSW of his career. So basically, we had a rebound from last season's unlikely to continue dip, which was expected. But then that next level, and it's not shocking he went to the next level because he's he's again he's he's a very good major league pitcher. But it just it's it's shocking to look at the difference compared to last season because the raw strikeout total, if you're looking at like the K per nine rate with Degrom last year, simply didn't tell the full story. You know, and, and and let's say Wheeler wins a Cy Young. Let's say he has a great push here, leads the Phillies into the playoffs. People might think that with the amount of time we've spent on Zach Wheeler here and and how we've been celebrating him that. You know, let's say Wheeler ends up as the best fantasy baseball pitcher we have this year. Let the record show that will not mean that Ray and I will say he's a first round pick next year. And 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 they, Ray, that that goes to the overarching theme. Zach Wheeler having a hell of a year. Jake DeGrom, hell of a year. Um, Walker Bueller, who we're going to talk about in a second, hell of a year. I don't care what these guys do this year. I'm not drafting them in the first round. I, I, I'm just not taking that pitcher in the first well, I shouldn't say I won't. There, there's a possibility, you, won't. you know, you depending won't. in what league, you yeah. know, there are setups. But for the most part, Ray, these great pitchers, awesome. Congratulations on a great season. That's not going to make me fall in love with you going into the next season and make you a first round pick. No, if you look at war, just as an example, so I was talking about it earlier, here are guys that are in the top 10 in war. Zach Wheeler's number one. Corbin Burns, everyone likes. No one thought he'd be number two. Carlos Rodon is number four. <laughs> Nathan Evaldi is number eight. Herman Marquez is nine. Kevin Gaussman is 10. 
Uh, let's go a little deeper. Trevor Rogers is 12. Freddie, Freddie Peralta is 13. Dylan Cease is 14. Get out of here. Get out. The people that are spending all of their draft capital on starting pitchers at the beginning of the season are just doing it wrong, and the data supports it. Yeah. Unless they have Walker Bueller, Ray, then they're going to make that argument. That's a little different. <laughs> well, yeah, but this year, you know, the guys we thought that Walker Bueller, year. I told you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that goes to the two spot, Ray. Player profile of Walker Bueller, who also had a good game on Sunday. It wasn't to the level of Wheeler, but I wanted to bring up Walker Bueller because, well, first off, we haven't talked much about Wheeler. We haven't talked much about Bueller. Like we've spent all this time on DeGrom and, you know, what Milwaukee has going and Garrett Cole giving up home runs. And my God, can you believe how good Carlos Rodon is? And I feel like Bueller and Wheeler have kind of been overlooked. So coming off of Sunday's efforts, it's very easy to do the podcast here and, and give them some love. And as, as I've done in previous podcasts here at Baseball Elite, um, I've thrown out the, the, uh, the value of the pitchers, courtesy of Rasball. And, you know, I was talking about DeGrom. Hey, DeGrom's still the second most, um, you know, valuable pitcher right now. $30.30, but that used to be up around like 49 bucks. So that number has really crashed because he's not pitching. It's going to continue to go down. He's number two. Wheeler is second, 27-7. So Wheeler still has ground to make up. But again, with him playing and DeGrom not, that ground's going to be made up. Number one, Ray, is Walker Bueller. Um, just about a dime more profitable, or I should say valuable, than uh, Jake DeGrom. DeGrom's at 30.3. Bueller's at 30.4. So let's give a little love to Walker Bueller. Let's give a little player profile here. Uh, we talked about Zach Wheeler, kind of different this year, you know, better than ever in certain categories. What about Bueller? Is this just a natural progression? Is just just a, a matter of everything clicking when we saw the signs of that over the previous couple of years? Yeah, I mean, I really think so. He's athletic. He's got a good delivery. He repeats it. He throws four pitches. Like it's all been here. And I think that everyone that's, scouted him over the years has seen him and been like yeah like we've all thought that I mean come on and you know what he started to do last year a little bit undercover if you look at the ERA which is a terrible way to do it he started last year to fulfill the expectations completely like he's been great before that but he really started to but there was the but there was the injury he only pitched eight games and I still think that that missing component is is the durability with him because if you look at the performance since the start of last season, we got 180 penny in, innings, 185, whatever the hell it is, basically, right? His whip is 0.94. Like, I mean, and you look at his career, his batting average against in his career is barely 200. Like, guys don't hit him. His strikeout-to-walk ratio for his career is 4.4, which is a Hall of Fame-level number. He gets you strikeouts. He doesn't beat himself with the walk. He keeps the ball in the ballpark. No one squares him up consistently. His whips are tremendous. The ERA follows. And, you know, look at his record and because he's got the Dodgers and all, and, you know, because he's pitch well, it's 36 and 11. <laughs> so, I mean, everything is there for everything. The only part with Walker Bueller is for him to prove that he can throw 180 innings season after season. Well, and, and I think if you ask the Dodgers, um, let's go back to like March and you said, hey, uh, by the time the second week of August rolls around, you're going to have Walker Bueller at almost 150 innings. If you had asked the Dodgers that in March or, or told them that in March, they probably wouldn't be overly happy with that. And the reason is that they, you know, they, they didn't want to use Walker Buehler to that level uh, coming off the 36 innings of a year ago. But as we all know, Ray, the Dodgers have to have Walker Buehler. You know, it's one of the reasons they went out and got Max Scherzer. Their, their rotations just depleted. We're not going to see Kershaw for probably another month. Mm -hmm. I think Trevor Bauer's gone. 
Uh, Dustin May, of course, is gone. Urias is, is kind of a worry. You got David Price, who's trying to lengthen himself out. Now, the good thing with Price is he's old, so you just throw him out there and care. who cares if he has an arm injury. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but with Bueller, Ray, I'm interested over the next two months. I, I guess they're going to have to just use him. Um, now, if they've got a blowout, if it's nine to two in the in the sixth inning, maybe they yank them, turn it over to the bullpen. But I think for fantasy owners, um, it will be worth following. Does he get to close to 200 innings? Because I think coming into the year, uh, we had that big question, who gets to 200 innings? How many pitchers get to 200 innings? I don't think Walker Bueller would have been on that list, but he might make it there this year. I, I still say it's doubtful, but there is an outside shot he could make it. There is, and it also depends to what the uh, well, what the Dodgers and the Padres do. I mean, the Dodgers and Padres are they catching the Giants? I mean, I'm I'm telling you, man. Did you ask that in April and May and June, and didn't you ask that post deadline? Yes, but I mean, I, every week the question. I mean, it, the Giants are still in first. I mean, the Giants have the most wins in baseball. It's a remarkable story. Um, the Dodgers can obviously still make the playoffs without winning the division, but you know, then they'll have to contend with the Padres. So I think a lot of it might have to do with the scoreboard, if you will, yeah. Kyle. Because, like you're saying, do they push in the extra inning or two? But but look at Bueller, and that's one thing that you know, he he in all his starts this season, 23 of them. One time he hasn't thrown six innings. Once. And the only time he didn't, it was five innings. He gave up four runs, three were earned. That's remarkable in 2021 baseball. Has he has he had is that one bad start this year? out of 23 and i don't even know if that's a bad start but is that how good he's been this year he has allowed two he's had two games where he's allowed four earned runs and five earned runs okay 21 other starts three or fewer earned runs so i mean yeah he's only given up four runs on on uh, three occasions so he has been dynamic in the sense that he's given depth he's given consistency and all he is is a quality start i mean if you're in a quality start league holy cow it's all it's all he does and that is remarkable given everything in his back record coming into the season we'll just see if the Dodgers extend him the starts because he is going out there taking the ball he's not throwing 125 pitches each time you know he's very economical and he's getting it done if the season ended right now Ray players go on strike or they were like and I'm not saying that, but if it's tough would Bueller be the number one fantasy pitcher going into next year for you and again I know DeGrom's still gonna be there right. people won't quit the DeGrom thing but would, would and I know you're not drafting him, but would Wheeler or excuse me, would Bueller be be your first guy listed when you rank pitchers? Kyle, I'm not doing rankings six months in advance, but <laughs> I will tell you that uh, we just released the the August update, right? And Bueller was number two. The only guy listed ahead of him was Brandon Woodruff. Okay, so uh, absolutely Walker. I mean, to be honest, Walker is, in my opinion, at this point, I think you got to say top five, and then it's a matter of let's dig in. But if you said one to me right now. I wouldn't look at you funny. Walker Buehler, 12 victories now. Uh, that's five more than DeGrom. And he also has, um, what, about 55 more innings than Jake DeGrom. And he's actually qualified for the ERA title. So uh, yeah. he's uh, he's your league leader right now in the National League at 2-1-3-12-2 is that record. And Ray brought up the record. I mean, my goodness, 14-4 and four in 2019. This is just Buehler's record. And then 12-2 and two this year, 26-6. and six. And then throw the victory in last year, 27 and six over the last three years as a one loss record. That's just asinine for Walker Buehler. Uh, let's go to the three hole and uh, sticking with the pitching, Ray. It's so important down the stretch. Chris Sale is back. It looks like it's finally going to happen uh, this upcoming weekend. Scheduled to debut on Saturday. I want to say that is against Baltimore. 
think that's right. Um, and it is in Fenway Park. Now the question becomes, right, people have held and held and held, stashed, stashed, and stashed on Chris Sale. What are they getting over the final six weeks? What, what are kind of the expectations here? Yeah, I, I mean, I, Timmy, it's really interesting how this always works because Sale was supposed to be back months ago, and he had a setback that wasn't a setback, but it was a setback. And then he started pitching and then they're like, well, he's going to need a couple more starts. And then he goes out there and it seemed like he went from throwing 45 pitches to 89 overnight. Like it was really, it was fast. It was fast. And I think that, you know, mentally he's in a good spot, according to everything. Uh, physically, he looks to be in good shape. He's gained a little bit of weight, still skinny, but gained a little bit of weight. Uh, he's talked about changing his, his, his lifestyle up. He's sleeping more. He's eating better. Uh, and his arm is look good. He's throwing mid to high nineties. The velocity's there, the slider, obviously you can't just look at the results in the minor leagues. Cause those 20 year old kids have no chance. Let's be honest. There's, there's no chance they could hit Chris sale. If he's 90% of who he is. So I think now the question is how refined is he, you know, is he able to, to spot those pitches? Is he off by a couple inches? Cause that, that couple inch difference is the difference between being Chris sale and Ryan Yarbrough. I keep using names like that. They're not the same, but you get the point there's <laughs> there. That's a fine line. Um, but again, the velocity's back. He's the, the Red Sox have been very cautious with the recovery. I think that it's fair to think that he can throw five innings right out the chute. Uh, that seems to be kind of what their goal is. But of course, you know, if he goes out there and he throws, you know, 68 pitches in the first three innings, they might pull him from the game. I was looking at their schedule, Ray, and obviously this debut, which is scheduled for Saturday against Baltimore. That's a, that's a lineup you, you want to take a shot at. Um, his next start would be against Texas. That's a lineup you want to take a shot at. Mm -hmm. um, his start after that would be against Cleveland. Again, you want to take a shot at it. Probably Cleveland again. He may get Tampa, but probably Cleveland again. There's a chance he gets Seattle down the stretch. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm, I'm playing with a lot of numbers here. But what I'm getting at, Ray, is like the matchup set up for Chris Sale to be good. I'm not going to say domination because he has not thrown a major league pitch since 2019. Now, I was out on the idea of stashing Chris Sale. And the reason is, Ray, we've seen it. Injuries are happening. Do you have enough IL spots? Can you really hold on to them? Here we are in August. So you've had to survive more than four months of stashing this guy. To me, as a fantasy owner, let it just be said, there is no guesswork here. You roll him out. I don't care who the opponents are. I don't care if he's pitching at Toronto or at Yankee Stadium. If you've held on to this guy, use him. But you go in with the understanding that if he has long innings, especially early, like let's say he has to throw 30 pitches in the second inning. I don't know, Ray, if he gets very deep into that game. I know they want him to go five or six innings and he's built up for that, but it's not always the raw pitch total. It's sometimes how are those early innings going? Are they challenging you? Are they forcing you to throw a ton of pitches in that single solitary inning? That's something where Chris Sale could be yanked whereas another guy of his ilk would not be yanked at this point in the season so the innings could really fluctuate for sale the red sox want him at six we want him at six but there could be times where he just throws too many pitches early on and and maybe he's out after four despite being in the lead absolutely yeah that's a totally fair way to look at it and i think it's the correct way to look at it and you know this this return could be let's just face it this way no one is i don't think did anyone add chris sale this weekend like he's on someone's roster right yeah, like people it's already had him for at least yeah, a month even yeah. if he were out there and available right so it's not like anyone burned their their i don't assume anyone went out and burned you know 58 of their budget to add this guy right you you added him smartly and stashed him and all that kind of stuff so 
even if he's just okay, I don't think many people are going to get burned in terms of the investment, but we need to look at him as you know not being okay, right? We don't want him just to go out there and, you know, and, and be a guy that throws some passable innings. We want him to be someone that we can you know, look at and think that guy's got a chance to, to be Robbie Ray or Freddie Peralta or whatever it is. I wouldn't anticipate that being the case because he is still coming back from Tommy John surgery. He did still have the delay coming back. And it's just not fair to expect him to be peak Chris Sale. Is it fair to expect him to, you know, be, let's say, 75, 80% of the previous guy? I think that's pretty fair. You know, and if he is that guy, he's damn well usable. I mean, you know, there's still not that many guys in baseball that have an ERA at 2.8 that strike out 12 guys per nine innings. You know what I mean? So I, I think that there's, there's cautious optimism that he'll be able to throw enough innings to go deep enough in the games to get some victories, to have those ratios that impress. And as you laid out, the schedule might be helpful for him doing that. And if you missed it, Martin Perez is the guy that uh, lost his spot with Sale coming back. So Perez is going to the bullpen. I don't think that really matters to anybody. Hopefully, um, Right now, Red Sox starting pitchers, averaging just barely over five innings to start, which, you know, you go back 20 years ago and you say, oh, my God, that's the worst pitching staff in baseball. Not anymore. You know, when you get but but they have needed a lot of innings from their bullpen. So uh, hopefully they can get sale back to six and they can kind of take over there. If you missed it over the weekend, the, the Red Sox are sliding um, in the playoffs right now. They're four games back at Toronto. They've been in first pretty well all season long, uh, but it started last weekend with Toronto sweeping them out of town. And it's kind of gotten a little weaker for the Red Sox. In fact, I mean, the Yankees are only two and a half back of Boston. Toronto is only three back of Boston. Ray, there's a chance this Red Sox team could totally miss the playoffs, which is kind of head scratching when you consider that all year long, we've kind of said, you know, they, they were the giants of the American League. That, right. That's how good they were playing and how surprisingly well they were playing. But now they're kind of fighting for their playoff lives with this slump. They are. And you and I joked about this previously. Martin Perez and Garrett Richards have been a part of that pitching staff all season. And I'm sorry, but that just doesn't work. <laughs> you know, and they're they're leaning on Nick Pavetta, who's had a you know decent enough effort, but they this has been a lot like the Giants in that they pieced this thing together and kind of made it work more effectively than they should have. Their their pitching is not good. That starting pitching rotation is flat out not good. And you know, it, it, I know we're we're willing to go with bullpen games and all. They've done a remarkable job of of piecing this together to give themselves a chance. But as you said, it's getting tight, and uh, we'll see how the the last couple months of the season go. They do indeed need Chris Sale. Again, Saturday looks to be the uh, return engagement for Chris Sale. And if you've been holding on all year, congratulations. You've made it to uh, the finish line, which is actually the starting line of uh, Chris Sale in 2021. Let's move to the four spot in our uh, starting nine here, and let's get you some news and notes. And uh, we follow with a couple of other returns this week. Looks like Luis Robert is going to be back with the White Sox. In fact, Monday, he's set to be uh, returning to this team. And then in St. Louis, Jack Flaherty is expected back midweek. We haven't seen Flaherty for, I guess, gosh, two, two and a half months, but he's finally going to be back for the Cardinals. And Robert, of course, Ray, we've missed him since early April. Good to see both these stars returning this week. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, just like Chris Yell, they could be players with, you know, dynamic skills that inject such a huge boost um, to, you know, their, their fantasy squads. And, you know, let's just hope that it happens. I mean, Flaherty's situation, that oblique injury just lasted forever. And, the Robert situation was one that we, you know, thought his season might be over. And both he and he, he and only Jimenez, they got some good water there in Chicago. Both those guys beat back <laughs> estimates while we're still waiting for Mike Trout to get over a muscle pull. Um, <laughs> good point. Yeah. yeah, right. You know, so 
Um, but yeah, both those guys, I mean, Robert, you know, brings that dynamic nature, his skill set. Obviously, there's a little bit of hesitancy with his, his running because of the hip, but I'm, they don't clear him if they don't believe he's physically okay. And Flaherty, you know, we're just talking about pitching. That's all I've been talking about. Flaherty can be a huge booster the rest of the way, you know, so you don't have to run to the waiver wire and, you know, grab Sammy Long this week or whoever, you know what I mean? Those kind of pitchers that, you know, Martin Perez, oh my God, he's getting a start. He can be someone that you just, you know, set it and forget it. And uh, we have seen in the past dominance for him. Uh, let's hope that he's stretched out enough and that he's capable. Because he was last time out, he only threw like three and a third innings, three and two thirds innings. I, I don't know if he's up to 90, 100 pitches kind of scenario, but it's still difficult not to, to put him out there because people are in need of pitching. Yeah, he had that limited innings outing because he threw so many pitches. They wanted to get him to 80. Unfortunately, he got to 80 in the fourth inning. Um, you know, which again, kind of reminds us what we were talking about with Chris Sale is these guys are going to be at least protected a bit in the early going, uh, before they are totally turned loose. And I do want to point out the white Sox since we brought up the red Sox and the giants, you know, kudos to them, right? Oh, I mean, his Monty Grandal has been hurt. Nick Madrigal has now been traded, you know, pretty well out for the season. Um, Mankata has been back and forth, mostly down this year. Uh, I mean, they, they were playing Billy Hamilton at one point. They're playing Adam Eaton. Your men Mercedes is down in the minor leagues. They got all these injuries, Robert Jimenez. I mean, on, and yet there they are. And I, I'm not going to say, oh, they're running away with AL Central. Can you believe it? But kudos to them, right? I mean, this has not been an easy role with the White Sox, but they're 20 games over 500. Uh, despite all these guys missing in action and even some other guys having rather ordinary seasons this year. Yeah. I mean, honestly, they've already won the AL central. I mean, they're 10 games up on everyone, if not more. I mean, it would take the, a catastrophic failure, catastrophic failure for them not to win their division. And they are another team and it's great. There's so many of these storylines in baseball. And we've just, you know, you listed them. We've been talking about them. so many storylines where teams have overcome teams have come out of nowhere this is great for the sport there's problems with baseball and all that but you know the storylines are some there's some really good stuff and the white Sox personify that they've got the oldest manager in the world they've, they've they're using some of the youngest players in the game as you noted they're in and out guys show up for three weeks then they get hurt then someone else steps up it's a hallmark of a championship level team and you know we we all sat here especially in the fantasy world when we started seeing these pieces go down and we're like oh man because it's crushing our fantasy squads and you have to think it crushes the white Sox. they held their head above water they're getting healthy again and you know they're just going to hope that they can finish on a high note so that when they move into the playoffs they're in a good spot but it's uh yeah kudos to that entire organization and i'll say this maybe tony lewis is not an idiot after all yeah yeah pitching's been huge for them you know lance uh, lance lynn rodon uh, those guys have just been giant for him it, it certainly covers up some of the warts with the offense but again luis robert back Jimenez has looked pretty good since his return so that team is uh, kind of trending upward at the right time now of course when you welcome guys back like robert and flaherty unfortunately we have guys leaving um anthony rizzo on the covid list uh kyle schwarber has suffered a setback so if you're waiting on the Schwarber, you're not going to see him for some time. Glebar Torres dealing with a thumb injury. That could knock him out for the season, depending on the MRI. But the biggie, Ray, and the one we're kind of uh, all waiting on as we enter a new week is uh, Juan Soto, who is still a question mark as we sit here and record on a Monday morning. Uh, didn't really play all weekend uh, with a knee injury. And considering what the Nationals have right now and where they're at in the standings, if there's any concern with Soto, I don't know about a shutdown but it could be a lengthy IL stint, maybe more so than if this had happened in April with him. 
Yeah, and it's tough. I mean, I'm setting my lineups here on Monday morning before we record the podcast, and I got multiple players where I'm looking at, and it's just like, what do you do? Like, you know, oh my gosh, like we got this issue here that we're talking about with Juan Soto. Do I play Steven Duggar this week? I mean, it's like, you know, you don't want to take a zero if you have a lineup where you, you set your, you know, lineup once and let it, you know, that's it for the week. And Soto's case is one where, you know, the, the team gave up this year, right or wrong. That's what happened. And you're totally right. Um, he is the franchise now. And so if there's any concern that this is going to lead to anything, the, the stay is, you know, three or four days. And then if, why not put him on the injured list, right? So it's very conceivable that he doesn't play this week. We don't know. But I think that if you are a Soto owner, you have to give serious consideration to going in a different direction this week and then keep those fingers crossed that this team doesn't do something really crazy and say, oh, we're going to give them a month and a half off. I yeah. Mean, you know, it's I haven't heard that mentioned, and I don't think it's fair to really suggest that might happen. But at the same time, it could. Yeah, they're finished. They're done. There's nothing to, for them to play for. They, they've traded Scherzer. They've traded Turner. You know, they got rid of Gomes and Harrison, all these guys. They're nine back in the NLEs. There are three teams between them in first place. Um, they're out of the wild card. Like, there's nothing. I, you're right, Ray. It hasn't been noted, but I'm just throwing out the fact that if I'm Washington, and this is like, let's say it's a strained knee ligament or something. And, and again, we don't know. We're, we're waiting on results. But I know he hasn't played the last three days, and there's got to be at least the thought. And Soto is not going to want to say this, but the Nationals may say this. Why risk it? You know? And And – Maybe it isn't a shutdown, but maybe it's a for certain IL stint. And maybe instead of 10 days, it's 20 days just to allow full recovery. And for us in the fantasy game, it's 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 bonkers. As bad as the Nationals are, Ray, we still want Juan Soto. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. He's still a guy that's important to the fantasy bottom line. Uh, we'll just have to see if we're going to get him uh, for this month of August. Uh, one other thing on the news and notes, Adley Rauschman promoted to triple A by the Orioles. Uh, top catching prospect in baseball, really one of the top prospects in all of baseball, no matter the position. Ray, are we going to get to see him in September? No. Mm. Um, I've read multiple articles uh, on The Athletic, at MLB.com, quoting front office people and stuff. They seemingly have zero desire to do that. And they've had a plan all along. And their, their plan all along from all the, the quotes I've seen was that he was never going to see the big leagues this year but it just wasn't going to happen. They looked at last year and he didn't play a full sleep, full season. And they wanted to do this. They've been very methodical with this. And I think part of it is being methodical. And I think part of it's being cheap. Let's be honest. <laughs> um, because there's no one, there's no one that watches Rushman and thinks he can't play in the majors right now. Now, again, we've seen Jared Kelnick get called up and just get destroyed. We saw Joe Adele get called up last year and get destroyed. So I'm not going to say they're making the wrong decision, yeah. but I just, I, at this point in time, I'd be shocked based upon everything I've seen and based upon the financial component here with Rushman. He's got an OBP of 390 at double A, slugging over 500, um, 61 runs, 55 ribbies, 18 homers. It's from a catcher, and that's an 80 game. So he's he's owned double A. We'll see what he does at triple A. And uh, fast forward to next spring, Ray. Um, I guess he'll be our new Kellenic going into next season, mm -hmm. you know, of. He probably won't make the team out of spring training to to maintain control. And then we'll probably get him promoted in late April, early May by the Orioles. Very possible. Yep. Yeah. So we'll see on Rauschman and he'll be a guy that people will be drafting. I bet as a top 12 catcher going into next season. Let's go to the five spot. And Ray, I thought we'd give a shout out to some hitters who have performed really well in the last month. And I chose the last month because it's pretty well post all-star break. 
Um, I was looking at some numbers, and and again, these are not guys you think of, and and you say to yourself, um, oh man, I am so lucky that I've had these guys on my fantasy team. They they have just kind of carried me. And the names I'm mentioning here are like Josh Harrison, now of the A's, has been absolutely good for the last month. Kyle Farmer with the Reds. Jonathan India with the Reds, Jorge Polanco, Yamar Candelario. I mean, right, all these guys have been on the waiver wire at some point this year. Maybe not Polanco, but most of these guys, and, and I'm not saying, oh, they've just been good. Right, these guys have been great in the last month or so um, and, and playing almost every single game. And you look at, you know, OPSs, you look at ribbies, runs scored, all these things, and you're going to find the names of Farmer, Polanco, and Harrison, and India. Candelera, they're they're uh, they're all over the uh, leaderboards over the last month. They're all over my fantasy teams too. <laughs> uh, Josh Harrison is saving my bacon, as they say, in multiple leagues. I mean, plays he qualifies at second base, qualifies at third base, qualifies in the outfield, and we all love having that you know utility knife at the the bottom of our team. And uh, again, I'm using him in multiple leagues. And like you're saying, I mean, the last 16 games he's played, his OPS is a thousand. This is not. Hey, you know, this is just a dude that's producing. I mean, Kyle Farmer has made Eugenio Suarez a bench guy. Well, and and, and stop right there. Both these guys, yeah. Farmer and Harrison Ray, mm-hmm. you know, we think of them uh, backups, filling in for injuries, whatever. Mm-hmm. God, their teams need them now. Yeah. Like Harrison, with Laureano getting suspended, like Harrison could start pretty well every day. And Farmer is starting every day for the Reds. He is. And, you know, Harrison was concerning because he went to the A's and it's like, oh man, there it goes, right? He's going to lose some playing time and all right, we'll see. And then there's the injury or the, excuse me, the suspension of Loriano, and uh, it looks like he's in the lineup every day. Harrison just finds a way to get in that lineup, right? Some he's guys are like He's such an that. A's player too, man. Yeah. Like, like yep. this guy that anybody could have had, he's been yep. all around baseball, but he goes to Oakland and he's like going to lead a charge to the postseason. Right. <laughs> and his career was almost over a couple of years ago. Let's not forget that. He was in the dumper. He's really come back strong. Um, Kyle Farmer is fascinating because Kyle Farmer, he went at in one of the previous weeks, he went 16 for 31. I mean, it's, that's just insanity. And his defense has been solid. And with the struggles of Suarez and the return of Mike Moustakas, I've been writing and talking about this at articles at fantasy guru for a couple of weeks now. Like I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, everyone loses a little bit, but I think Suarez is the guy that's out. And that looks like the way it's coming down and, and farmers not good compared to these other guys. He's not as talented as these other guys. There's no way around that at all. You know, his, his, his batted ball data is poor to be straight up. Kyle Farmer could hit 212 the rest of the way. And I wouldn't be shocked. It really wouldn't, but right now he's performing and he's playing and he has, you know, fitting your criteria of a second half savior. He has absolutely fallen in, into that and, and been spectacular off the waiver wire. And I'll throw the name Candelario out there either. I wrote about him last week. You compare Candelario's numbers since the start of last season Next to Yohan Moncada, they're the same. Hmm. That's how good he has been and how disappointing Moncada's been. And, and you know, Ray, back to, to Suarez, I was just looking at some uh, ADP from way back when over at the NFBC, and, like, Suarez was 61st off the board. Like, you can almost say you can drop him right now, depending on your roster. I mean, the guy, there's just not enough there mm-hmm. with Suarez, and playing time could be disappearing. You know, Gleyber Torres was 58th. You know, I mentioned the, the thumb injury. Yep. People might be dropping him this week. Steven Strasburg, 65. He's already been dropped. Kestanura, 66. He's been dropped. Michael Conforto. I mean, I guess you'll hold on to Conforto. He's still playing, but he's had a bad year. Uh, that was a rough spot there in the late 50s, early 60s in our fantasy drafts this season. So don't take your fifth round pick next year. That's yeah. the moral story. 
I, or, or just make sure that you take Josh Hader. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Chapman instead. There you go. This is really disappointing for Torres too, who I have in multiple leagues. Cause I did expect a bounce back that has not occurred. Uh, the last three weeks he's stolen six bases and he's hitting over 300. Yeah. Now he's got the thumb injury Yeah, 10 for his last 24. The last week he was tearing it up. And then the thumb injury. So I've actually had to, and this is again, Monday, early, early eight 40 in the morning on Pacific coast. I, I removed him from my lineups this week because mm-hmm. we're hearing reports that they think this might be significant with his thumb injury, which is too bad because he was finally hitting. Hey, speaking of stolen bases and kind of unheralded and, and this guy, well, we fight it every year. We have to convince people he's good, but Starling Marte, my man, man, 12 stolen bases since, since the all-star break. Twelve. nobody else in baseball has more than six. And, and Ray, I mean, my God, if he were for, some crazy reason to have 20 post all-star break steals. I mean, Charlie Marte would lift people up in that category, maybe three or four positions considering how close stolen bases can be. Marte, who has been a fantasy star for years, has never been better, never been better than this. And it's remarkable that it's not a story that I'm hearing more frequently noted because I mean, if you take his performance and you give him 150 games, He's scoring 120 runs. He's stealing 60 bases and he's hitting 320. Like, why is no one talking about it? like it's I, I'm sh- shocked because for years people are like, oh, Stanley Martin. he's going to go over 30 steals in, in half a season of work here. It's, it's been fantastic. He's been a, a difference maker and he has been let's rewind the clock. He has been at Alberto Mondesi with 60 points of batting average. This is what he's done this year that based upon the expectations on draft day. And everyone had to have Mondesi. They're fighting over themselves to make him a top 25 pick. And again, I don't hear anyone about Marte. It's just weird to me. Well, he's 32 and not 22, which is one of the reasons you don't hear anything. And he's actually been good and productive at the big league level. Hmm. Uh, He's yesterday's news. Mm. Uh, Let's move to the sixth spot in our starting nine. Every Monday, we like to check in on the Sirius XM Host League. Ray and I are both a part of it and uh, see what the bidding. And uh, I got to say, you know, the bidding was done yesterday and, I don't have much money, so I there were a lot of guys I would have liked to, to maybe take a bid on or go after, but I couldn't really get involved. But there were names that were won yesterday. Uh, we were just talking about Josh Harrison. He went for $21. I think that was the high cost of anybody. I know you got Abraham Toro for 12 I actually bid on him, but I think I was around 7 I, I just don't have any money, so yeah, I was yeah. kind of getting a, a cheap buy there, trying to get a cheap You have buy. no money. You have like $12 I, left. Yeah, well, I did get uh, Rafael Ortega for some stolen bases. Um, so I, I think with the Cubbies leadoff guy, I was happy mm-hmm. to get that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some other notables, Ray, like um, you got Tanner Houck for six bucks. Could see a good deal of him down the stretch. Luis Patino went for six dollars. And I think it was was it Howard Bender that got Clippard, Colome, Floro and Fleming. Um, I think that might have been it. Maybe you can double check. But uh, it, no, that was Schuster. OK, Ted Schuster. Got all four of those relievers for 38 bucks. And, you know, that's just taking a shot on some saves. Sloro could get them in Miami. Colome uh, could be back in the graces in Minnesota. Uh, Chad Green went for three bucks here. We could see some Chad Green save opportunities. So there are still some quote unquote closers that you might be able to make a run on down the stretch here. Yeah, this is a 12 team league. Um, so there's some options here, but I, I'm just going to say it. I'm disappointed in some of these owners in this league because they're they're not trying. <laughs> they've stopped. They've just not at this point. I mean, cause I'm, I'm with you. It's like, you know, I'm looking at this and I, I'm down in money. You have $12 out of a thousand left. I have 94. So we're, we're both getting down to the point where we have to be very cautious because we still have months left in the season. We can't, you know, blow it. 
Uh, Anthony Aniano's at zero. Howard Bender's down to nine. Rick Campbell's at 14. So a lot of us have been aggressive, but then there's other people with three, four, 500 bucks. And it's not just that, they're just not bidding. And so I, I wish people would stay more involved. You know, I'm, I'm glad for our sake that they're not because it gives us opportunities here. But I think some of the price points are way lower than they really should have been. Um, but it's it's about feeling need. Like I, I Ortega was second on my list. You know, again, you you picked him up in here. He was second on my list. I had Toro first because of the way my roster worked out. Like, would I have loved to have Ortega? Absolutely. If I had more money at this point, even though I don't believe him to be able to continue what he's doing now. Yeah, I don't think I, he's that good, yeah. but he's going to lead off for the Cubs. Lead and, I, and I, that stolen bases yeah. in that league are pretty close. Yeah. And I, and, and I also could use some runs. So, sure. like, that was my whole bid. Trying to get a guy who could get me some runs and steals. Um, he fit for my team. If, if, you know, if you're already first place in runs, second steals, you probably don't need him. Mm-hmm. But for me, Ray, he totally fit because I think if he were to have a good final six weeks or just a decent, I could maybe get some help in the runs scored and stolen bases category that would really adjust my standings mm-hmm. in those categories. Yeah. And I looked at my team. Uh, Alex Bregman is still on the shelf. He's supposed to be back this week, but I'm still without him. How, uh, Brandon Rogers hurt his hand. He had that ball hit him there. So it's like, I just needed a guy to play in the infield. So that's why I went with Toro instead of Ortega, but it was the same, same thought process I had, you had, we're filling plug and holes. Um, and we'll see. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that uh, I got to finish in front of Ted Schuster because I made fun of him earlier and he's ahead <laughs> of me right now. Um, I still think that I still think I got a good squad here, but okay. it's, you know, injuries and the, we're, we're battling here uh, and we'll try to make it happen. But there, there was a lot of action. It just was a lot of low level bidding. How about of those relievers selected? Who's going to have the most saves, you think, over the final six yeah. weeks? Um, and again, all these guys were, it's a 12-team league again. Yep. But, um, you look at the relievers, especially uh, Chad Green, Clippard, Colome Floro. Mm-hmm. That, who, who comes out with the most saves? Well, I'll tell you this. Let me write the Closer Grid article on Monday, uh, which I'm going to do after this podcast. I'll let you know. Um, I floral came out of kind of nowhere because we all expected Bender, another one of those scenarios where the guy that was obvious wasn't the guy the team turned to. I don't think it's Fleming. Um, they keep adding guys and injuries, and I, I don't I don't think it's gonna be Fleming leading the race. Uh Cole May, I mean, the one of these four that's got the experience, <laughs> right? And all of a sudden he's back. Rogers is hurt. They made they traded Robles away. And then you've got Tyler Clippard, who, you know is never really a closer. He's always been the 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 de facto pivot point when someone got hurt pitching somewhat effectively i'd probably go colme yeah i mean yeah but i think it's colme let's go to the seven hole in our starting nine uh, time to check in on rob pobia's weekly planner um of course you can find it at uh, fantasyguru.com and check it out there and it's updated throughout the week and we like to, to spotlight a few things um houston's the only team with five games this week uh, two of them are against colorado and that's just a a bad bullpen and speaking of bad bullpen san francisco ray Colorado and Arizona are their opponents. Those bullpens are terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that is something when you're setting your weekly lineups, you know, sometimes those bullpens, because they are getting so bad right now, because guys are getting hurt, guys are getting adjusted to the rotation. We just ran through all those relievers who are now closing. Th- that is one place where sometimes it can help you make a decision is like in the case of San Francisco, there are a few batters there that you might say, you know what, I'm going to give them the edge and stick them in my starting lineup and hope they get some at-bats against the Rockies and Diamondback bullpens starting in the fifth inning this week. And, and they can maybe do a lot of damage. Yeah, and that's something that, you know, we, we being Jeff Manns and I have talked about with bullpens. We were, I, I feel confident saying we were ahead of the game on this. We were doing this before other people were doing it, and that is focusing on bullpens. 
We had the Burr Report, which we ran for years at Fantasy Guru. People can now find it actually at EliteSportsData.com. Uh, we had the Burr Report that specifically looks at bullpens and how they're performing because bullpens are throwing 45% of the innings anymore. So we've got the Burr Report at EliteSportsData.com. We also have the, the, the Smash Score over at EliteSportsData.com. Uh, uh, that takes into account not just the starting pitcher for the day, but also the bullpen for the day. Um, we've also got a lot of data there in terms of bullpen usage and all that. And, you know, so that's EliteSportsData.com. Um, it's important and it's way more important than people have given it credit for traditionally. Now at the old days when guys were throwing seven or eight innings mm-hmm. and then it was Dennis Eckersley coming in, you knew what it was, but now, like I said, 40, 45% of the innings and potentially more down the stretch because of the way teams are going to utilize their bullpens. You got to know what those bullpen strengths and weaknesses are. Rob always provides uh, streaming options. And this goes back to the beginning of the show. We were talking about possible streamers and three names that he listed in this piece um, one, Stephen Brault as a possible option. Uh, let's see, Brault against St. Louis and Milwaukee. I think he's got two starts this week, right? Mm-hmm. Or he's planned to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luis Patino at Boston at Minnesota. And then there's even a Joe Ross single start here against the Mets. Ray, Stephen Brault against the Cardinals and Brewers. Would you do it? it would, I guess it's a two-start week, so you have to think about them. But is, is that too chancy for you against those teams? We got a couple of people in the chat room that are always asking questions like this every week. And I'm always like, <sighs> like, you know, I mean, I, if you're in a head to head setup, you, you have, and this is again, going back to the start, why I don't like that setup as much. You have to play, not just your player, not just his matchup, but you have to play your opponent. And if your opponent's going to have four more starts than you this week, you know, you got to consider it. Me. Um, I read Vlad's article and I was looking at it and I'm glad he pointed it out, but there's no way I'm touching him. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I mean that. And again, that's me in, in, in certain scenarios, people will have to make the other decision. I, I just would you know, be biting my fingernails if I made that choice. This week, a um, couple of notable things on the um, ballparks and such Milwaukee got like this going to Wrigley and also Pittsburgh. So that's matchup and ballparks there. And then this week, I think it's uh, is it Thursday is the Field of Dreams game. Uh, the White Sox and the Yankees. If nothing else, I know it doesn't have much fantasy impact, but if nothing else, Ray, that'll be fun, won't it? White Sox oh, yeah. and Yankees playing in a cornfield. Yeah, and their uniforms. They were in the old school uniforms. Saw that. Um, I actually didn't watch the gold medal baseball game from the Olympics. So I'm going to watch that this morning. Um, and then I'll watch the, the field of dream game. So it's not just going to be a regular week of baseball for me. I'm going to get some highlights in that, in that field of dreams game. I'm looking forward to it, Kyle. Yeah. And good for baseball. That, yeah. that should be enjoyable to watch. And, and again, the Yankees are fighting for their lives, uh, trying to make the postseason Chicago, uh, just trying to keep everybody healthy and make the postseason. So that should be a lot of fun. Let's go to the eight spot in our starting nine time. Now for the weekly random reference, we click the random pages over at baseballreference.com and, we just see what we get and we see where it leads us. The only rule we have is it's got to be during the fantasy baseball era, which uh, 1980 to present is kind of what we go with. Um, here's a Reds Giants box score from 1941. Ooh. That's not going to work. Um, Orioles Brewers from 1973. That's not going to work. Uh, let's see. Does No, Ed Blake does not work. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Ray. This is the longest we've ever free. gone. Give me something. Well, I guess this counts. Man, you talk about random. Um <laughs> The player known as Tim Scott. Mm. Look it up, Ray. Go through the memory banks. Yeah. I'm um, going to look it up. I'm not, the memory banks aren't helping much. Look at that mustache. Literally nothing but a relief pitcher. Literally. 
Ray, it's hard to last seven years in baseball. Tim Scott, 1991 through 97. Seven years in baseball and throw 276 games. So he was actually used for a few years. He didn't make a single start, which, you know, on a one, a one, two year off. Okay. That you're a reliever, but seriously, Ray, 276 games. And not once was he brought up as an emergency starter, San Diego, Montreal. Uh, hey, he made it to the giants at one point. Uh, and then Colorado, this is as random as a random reference gets. But think of this, because this was back when he was drafted in 1981. That was the heyday of the Dodgers every year having rookie of the year. Right. Like every, every time they called the rookie up, he was rookie of the year. They were known for that. And the Dodgers not only bombed on Tim Scott, but look at this. You know who was taking the pick before him in the draft? <laughs> no. <laughs> Al Leiter. <laughs> you know who was taking four picks before him in the draft? Tom Glavin. So they were so close, Kyle. <laughs> so close. They had no choice because, again, those players were taken so that they couldn't have drafted them. They could have gone and taken uh, Robert Souza, who never threw an inning in the big leagues. But it's, uh, it's just a reminder that uh, even though one of the best organizations in baseball drafted a guy, and to be fair, you know, he, he, he was in the big leagues for seven years to, off and on. He didn't do a hell of a lot. Yeah, that's a funny-looking draft, that round two. You know, also in round two um... – I guess the Cubs got Greg Maddox that year. Might see Look at that. that. Yep. Pick 31. Yeah. Mac Maddox and Glavin in the same draft. Um, now the Cubs got Maddox and the Braves got Glavin. Obviously they became Freeman, uh, became uh, teammates. Al Leiter. And yeah, there's Tim Scott. There you go. Tim Scott. Hey, he made the majors and ended up with a career 1.9 war. I'd so. take it. <laughs> yeah, we'd all take it. Um, and Hey, he's still getting a, you know, Half pension right now, probably from Major League Baseball. So kudos to him. Uh, Ray, let's close things down with our stamp of approval. It's in the nine hole, something that we are appreciative here on the podcast. Uh, what do you have? Silence. That's it. Nothing. Silence. There's nothing no, that Ray wants to be happy with or appreciative. No, I'm about. telling you, it's just silence. Oh. I had the uh, I had a, a I had a nice Saturday. Sunday wasn't so much. I love my family. I love my critters and all that kind of stuff, but barking, yapping, phone ringing, you know, neighbors, that, silence. I really like to have some point where I can just sit down. I get an hour of time to read a book. It's just me and my thoughts. Silence. You're coming off 18 months of pandemic and I you know. haven't had silence. Yeah, I know, Kyle. Wow. I know. Most people are tired of the silence at I this know. point. Uh, my stamp of approval, and I brought this up with Ray earlier, airport web cams that's what i'm going with um have you noticed how so many of my stamp of approvals have to do with my two-year-old and like anytime something is of interest to him and mm -hmm. keeps him out of my hair i love it um airport webcams are there right now and most notably the miami airport webcam uh which is actually a good one i i've struggled to find good ones to tell you the truth they're available but a lot of them are junky or the links are dated or stuff. Um, if anybody out there knows of good airport webcams with some action, Miami's is good. The camera moves. The camera shows you plenty of runways. It's great. That's, that's been the best one I found, MiamiAirportCam.com. Uh, but if, if you can text Ray or tweet Ray if you got good ones at Baseball Guys, let him know, and then he'll get it to me. But Ray, Walter loves the airport webcams. That loves them, loves hearing the planes take off, loves seeing the traffic in front of the airport, all that stuff. So it's it's been a um, I've never looked at one in my life until I stumbled upon it. We were looking at a beach cam somewhere mm. and they had a link to an airport cam and I went there and he fell in love with it. So we like 
we we pull it up on the phone and then we mirror it onto the TV mm-hmm. so he can watch it on, right. on the big screen. And it's not like he stares at it, but it's great background noise. And when we hear a plane, he'll look up and it's great. It's fabulous. He's into the airplanes and that is a way to, to, to grow that love of the airplane. And um, by the way, that's you kind of saying you like silence too. Uh, and does he like, does he like sharks? Cause the Monterey Bay Aquarium has a wonderful shark cam. Maybe I can send you a link to that. Oh, okay. And, uh, Are they, they have big a, sharks. Yeah. No, yeah. There's some, there's you know, some of them six, eight feet long. Yeah. Yeah. They've okay, got, okay. uh, they've got a kelp cam for the kelp forest. They've got, I think an otter cam. I'll send you some links, Cal. I don't know. Maybe you can try those out. It's he's not airport. The animals. But, yeah, yeah. He's in yeah. animals. Most he, he likes rhinos and mm-hmm. uh, elephants right now. So if you got any okay. webcams for that. Okay. We're doing a lot of parenting here on the uh, Baseball League podcast. I apologize. I apologize. Um, Ray, as we go out the door, where can people find you this week? People can find me and you. We have a new time at SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio. We're on Friday nights from 10 to 12 Eastern. That's not new. But Saturdays and Sundays now are 9 to 11 Eastern. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday there. I'm with Jeff Manns on Wednesdays on the Elite Sports Show, which is on from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern time. By the way, that's all SiriusXM Channel 87 now. 210's gone. It's just channel 87. Um, you can find me there. You can find me in the chat room. Um, I'm picking up the, the work on uh, the football side of things too. hosting some uh, podcasts for the 50 podcasts for the preseason. And uh, I know you've got some podcast work as well as the live stream on your end, Kyle. Yep. Yep. Doing plenty of that. Uh, I got the live stream Monday, Thursday, Friday. It's on every day, but I handle duties Monday, Thursday, and Friday, starting at 5.30 Eastern, taking you up to the uh, roster lock for each and every DFS night. And, of course, we're getting close to football. Um, do want to remind people, even our baseball audience might be interested in football, and um, there are plenty of packages available um, over at FantasyGuru.com. So check out all of that. And, Ray, I know you've been a part of some of the football coverage with the draft guide that is available and continues to grow each and every passing day. It does. And I mentioned in passing, there's 55 zero podcasts that we're doing. Kyle and I hosting a, about, a, about a fourth of those, a quarter of those. I don't know what it is. A lot of them, half of them. I don't know. 40% of them, a lot of them. Yeah, uh, but, but you and I haven't hosted one together yet. So we, we have only one on that 50. I know they kept us apart, Kyle. Um, but yeah, there's 50 of those. There are PPR rankings, non-PPR rankings, dynasty rankings. We've got a best ball draft guide, auction data. Like it's really, I'm, I'm very impressed by the staff. And I think that everyone's done a great job. Tons of content there. There's also live streams for that every week on Tuesdays. There's a chat room there as well. So yeah, don't forget to add that. If you have the baseball product at Fantasy Guru, add the football product as well. You can come in and get both. Uh, or you can just come in and pick up the football run right now at fantasyguru.com. Absolutely. Well, that will do it for us on this edition of the Baseball Elite Podcast. We're back next week for you with uh, all sorts of fresh, exciting news. Uh, we'll see how Chris Sale does and a few of these other guys returning. Hopefully we did it for you today. Hopefully you're uh, set and ready to rock and roll in this second week of August. We will see you next week right here at the Baseball Elite Podcast, courtesy of fantasyguru.com. 